This week on Defending the Kingdom, two legends meet on opposite sidelines. Two of the top four winningest coaches in the history of the National Football League collide in Foxborough, Massachusetts. But we'll also talk to a very promising rookie, thrust into the action and performed very well last week in the narrow loss to the Bills. This edition of Defending the Kingdom is brought to you by Ticketmaster. Turns left, now goes back in the end zone, caught! Rashi Rice, touchdown! Kansas City and Rashi Rice now ties a Kansas City Chiefs rookie record with his sixth receiving touchdown in his rookie career. And hello everybody, I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. We're entitling this episode of Defending the Kingdom, Both Ends of the Spectrum, because we're going to talk about what this Sunday is, and it's a big-time historical game. We're going to talk about a very exciting rookie that we're both excited about, and then we'll get you ready for this Chiefs and Pats matchup. But, Matt, before we do that, I always love to jump into your satellite <laughs> and travel around the earth and see who's defending the kingdom. Yeah, we've got five today. So yeah. we heard from Josh in Joplin, Missouri. I've still never been to Joplin. Wow. Yeah. I wish you could What When you go to Joplin, we need to do the before and after. Okay. Because of the two-mile by eight-mile... Basically, it looked like a World War II bombed city. It was because gone. of the tornado. The, the tornado, yeah. gone, gone, gone. And you and I both have a mutual friend in Austin Woodard, who was a hero of the Joplin tornado, because he's he's also a uh, first responder. And the stories are just chilling about that. But the way that city is built back, and now you look at that two miles by eight miles, and you're going, oh my gosh, it's a miracle. That's so, really cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that sometime. Another yeah. field trip for you and me to go to Joplin. Yeah, we need to take DTK on the road one of these days. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. Get like we'll a that. like a caravan, just and go all over. Here's where I want to do it. If it's a nice day, we would do it at right at 20th and Range Line, which was the ground zero of one of the most devastating tornadoes in the history of the Earth. Yeah. It's almost like an F6. Oh, my God. That thing was so powerful. Like, it moved the hospital off of its foundation. And... Uh, 161 people were killed tragically, but another, it could have been 1,161. Uh, one of the grace of God was that they did not have their uh, commencement at Joplin High School that day, which was completely, like, eviscerated. They had it at Missouri Southern State University, which is in the northern part of town. And if it would have been at Joplin High, it just would have been, it was awful the way it was. It's unthinkable what it would have been. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, yeah. we'll do that, though. We'll have to go. I look forward to it. Yeah. Shout out to Josh. We also heard from Nick from the Tri-Cities in Washington. We've heard from Nick before. All right. Uh, he wanted to shout out his mom, Mary. Uh, Mary doesn't like to fly, but she got on a plane with Nick a couple weeks ago so they could go to the game in Vegas and see a Chiefs victory. So very cool. Shout out to you, Mary. I'm glad you guys went to the game. Uh, we heard from Sawyer, uh, who is from Aurora, Missouri, but is now living in Sunrise, Florida. His wife is from Maryland and a big Ravens fan, uh, but she bought her first bit of Chiefs gear last week, so she's on the right track here. And Have you ever wondered about marriage counseling in these deals? Well, I kind of went through this myself. Yeah, you did. How'd that go? Well, I've successfully done it. So Ellie, my You've wife. You've evangelized your wife. I have, big time. Cause, yeah. So she is from Colorado. She's a Broncos fan growing up, but I have completely converted her over the years. We met in 2016, and it took a couple of years, and I respect that. Like, she was committed to her Broncos fandom, but, I mean, she is the biggest Chiefs fan on planet Earth now. Like, I, <laughs> seriously, she's as big a fan as I am and as you are. So it is possible. Just stick with it, and it will pay off in the long run. 
Uh, so good luck to Sawyer. Um, Daniel is in Springfield, Missouri, and we heard from Rasta again. Uh, they wanted to shout out their nephew, Cove. So Rasta's sister listens to DTK while Cove is playing with toys, like Cove is like a child. Uh, so shout out to you, Cove, a Chiefs fan in the making. Pretty cool. All right, Cove. We're going to yeah. do a show maybe with you playing toys. We'll just come play toys with Cove. Yeah. I like that name. Maybe Cove will be a Chief one day. Who knows? Sounds like a quarterback, Cove. Cove. I love it. And that's, uh, that's all we got today. Some all good right, ones. good. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about both ends of the spectrum. Let's do not let this moment pass. And it's one of my weaknesses, uh, many f- weaknesses and flaws in my character, <laughs> is that I take things for granted. No, you don't. Uh, well, no, you do not. I try not to take this Sunday for granted in the fact that we will have on the sideline, opposite sidelines, Andy Reid coaching the Kansas City Chiefs, who has done unprecedented things in the history of the National Football League. Keep in mind, the 100th year of the league was the year that we won Super Bowl 54. That would have been the 2019 season. So here we are in 2023, advancing even further, what, the 105th year or so. But in that 105 years, two of the top four coaches in wins, uh, playoffs and regular season, will meet on the same field in this game. We can get so caught up in the weeds of what this game means in the context of 2023 that we can lose sight of the fact that this is Shula against Landry. This is Lombardi against Hallis. And we have that this week with Reed versus Bill Belichick. Yeah, just because both teams don't have perfect records doesn't mean that it's not a huge game in terms of history. You're totally right. It's a really great point. You don't see matchups like this very often in the NFL. And just because the Patriots are not having the season maybe they were expecting to have doesn't take anything away from the legend that Coach Belichick is. And that's why this game is is not an easy one for the Chiefs. It's going to be a challenge because Coach Belichick is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He has six Super Bowl rings on his fingers for a reason. Uh, And it's going to be a challenge for the Chiefs once again. But we're so lucky that... This is when we're alive. This is our iteration of being football fans. We get to see two of the greatest of all time go head-to-head, uh, and hopefully for the Chiefs, it's a victory that gets them back on track. You and I are both football historians. We love this league. even like to dig back into the grand old days way back then. But to think that these two coaches are meeting in this game, and who knows how many more times this could happen. Maybe this is it. We don't know. And we have seen uh, some historic games. The 2017 game in Foxborough was a game where it was one of the first uh, shots heard around the NFL world that the Kansas City Chiefs were not just, well, they're going to be okay every once in a while, and maybe they'll win a division every seven years or so. That game, which started the first back-to-back AFC West championship, when the Chiefs stunned the uh, New England Patriots 42-27 to and the facility will be in on Sunday, was truly a – Roman candle that was shot uh, throughout the NFL. Sure, and even go further back to 2014 when the noise record was set here in Kansas City, uh, just destroyed the Patriots, and Tom Brady was benched for half that game. Uh, There's been some amazing matchups between the Chiefs and the Patriots over the years, and for so long, I mean, for two decades, the Patriots were the measuring stick. It's, you know, we're feeling really good, but can we beat the Patriots? And I also think about the game in 2019 where we went to Gillette, beat the Patriots late in the game, and of course went on to go win the Super Bowl. It's interesting being a Chiefs fan that you think about this franchise now, the Chiefs are the measuring stick in the NFL. We've kind of assumed that role that the Patriots had for so long. 
uh, and just trying to be that team year in and year out. It's very difficult to be a really good team every single year. The Chiefs have accomplished that. With one more win, the Chiefs will achieve an 11th consecutive winning season. Think about that. 11 straight winning seasons. That's the standard the Patriots had forever. And that's because of Coach Belichick and, of course, Tom Brady. But Belichick was a huge part in that. Uh, and we'll see another here Chiefs and Patriots matchup. Kind of a different look than in years past, but it's still Chiefs and Patriots. Another indication of greatness, and I'm so into trying to win this division this year. And you're going, well, you don't have parades for winning divisions. Just, just stop it. Okay, but there's reasons, many reasons to win the division this year uh, beyond maybe any other year. And it's the part of it's the history. If the Chiefs can get an eighth straight AFC West title, it will be second only to the New England Patriots. Eleven straight seasons of winning the AFC East. But these two coaches that are meeting on Sunday are those two coaches (laughs) that had that instance of division dominance. And in this era of the National Football League, where really they're stacking. You don't get any face cards. If you win the Super Bowl the year before, I get dealt face cards, and you you have to get four of a kind with four (laughs) sixes to win. But that's what Andy Reid has done, and that's what Bill Belichick has done. Let's give the hoodie a little bit of credit here. But they've won in different ways, and that's the sign of greatness, is that they've been able, and that's where the 2023 Chiefs are. If we're going to get this thing figured out and, uh, you know, sprint to the end, It's doing it with a different recipe than 22, 21, 20, and 19. But Belichick also did that throughout his 20-plus years as being the Patriots head coach. Definitely. The Patriots really had two eras of championship football because they had their three titles in four years in the early 2000s. Those teams looked a lot different when you compare them to the teams that he had later on where Tom Brady was the MVP of the NFL. Very different teams, and it's a testament to Coach Belichick how he found ways to win in different ways. Coach Reed, it's the exact same thing. One of my favorite things to always look at is if you go look at Coach Reed's offense with the Eagles in like 2000, looks a lot different than what he currently runs here in Kansas City, right? So many coaches have their system and their thing, and they're the smartest guy ever, and they come in, and this is going to work, right? This is better than what everyone else has. That's not Coach Reed. Coach Reed adapts and learns, and he is constantly doing that. So, if you again, you look back at like the 2000 season, Coach Reed, I believe, ran one snap, one snap out of the shotgun. The Chiefs run probably 70% of their plays out of the shotgun now. So his ability to adapt over time, and that's just one small example, is why he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And it's why so many coaches show up in the NFL, they have some success, and they burn out. That's not Coach Reed, and it's not Coach Belichick. These are two master innovators that we've had a chance to watch here over the last several decades. And once again, they'll go head-to-head. So Belichick, six Super Bowl championships, our tip of the cap to the hoodie again. Pretty good. But let's keep in mind, everybody thinks Tom Brady, Gronk, man, they're just Randy Moss. They're just putting up 50 points a game. His first Super Bowl, Bill Belichick won 20-17. to 17. His last Super Bowl, he won 13-3. to 3. Yeah. So just <laughs> keep in mind, there's different recipes and ways to win uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid and the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. But we're talking about two ends of the spectrum here. Two of the greatest coaches ever. Uh, Both will be in Canton, Ohio, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, easily first ballot. But now we're going to transition to something far different. That's the other end of this timeline, and it's someone who's getting their beginning in this league. And you and I are both excited about offensive tackle Wanya Morris, part of the 2023 rookie class, had to fill in uh, with some injuries to Donovan Smith 
after a game had started. And when I reviewed the video, go or when I reviewed the video of those times, I was like, "Oh my gosh, we might have something here." And then to have him start against the Buffalo Bills, not that it was perfect, but Matt and I think you and I share this same excitement. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's difficult with rookie offensive linemen because the only way to find out if they can play is for them to go out and play. But it's not like a receiver or a running back where you can rotate them in. Like you want your five guys in there at all times. You don't want to be rotating in offensive linemen for your basic five, right? You can't do that. And we have a pretty good five here in Kansas City, and Wanye uh, has been waiting for his opportunity if called upon. He had eight offensive snaps prior to the Packers game this year. Just not a lot of opportunity. But then Donovan Smith gets hurt in that game. Wanye has to go in more than holds his own in that Packers game. But then Donovan isn't going to be able to go against the Bills. Wanye becomes the starter at left tackle against the Buffalo Bills, who are fighting for their season, and Von Miller. Like, all right, just go out there and let's see what you can do. And I think he was great. All things considered, I think he did a great job. It's very exciting looking at the construction of this team moving forward. If Wanye Morris can be a guy on this offensive line, and he's got a way to go. I mean, he needs to build on what he did, but at least so far, so good. And also was going up against Greg Rousseau. And for a little bit, uh, Epinesa had the interception on the tip pass. And Floyd, I mean, that's a, that's a group of dudes on that Buffalo defensive front. A lot of you, again, around the world that, that watch and listen to Defending the Kingdom have access to the All-22. Go back and watch the Buffalo Bills game. I'm going to give you, again, not perfect, because he gave up the pressure to Von Miller that caused the incompletion thrown by Patrick Mahomes that was initially ruled a fumble somehow, and then we had to look at it for 40 minutes and go, oh, no, it's an incompletion. Don't get me started on that. But there's two plays I want you to go back and look at if you've got the all-22, and that is, one, the touchdown run by Jarek McKinnon of seven yards. Watch Wanye Morris on that play. Completely destroys Greg Rousseau to the point where he waves a white flag and goes, I'm, I'm done here. I'm done. The other one is the 20-plus-yard screen pass to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, opposite of where Wanye uh, lines up. He's playing left tackle. He gets all the way to the numbers right and makes key blocks on that screen. It shows you hit that, his athleticism. So, again, not perfect, but you and I get excited over little things, and in this instance, it might be a big thing, Wanye Morris. Yeah, very excited about this dude. Incredibly nice guy. Not when he's on the field, though. He has a mean streak to him. He has a certain nastiness to him that you need at that position. Uh, and I had a chance earlier today to catch up with Wanye and ask about his first start as a pro. All right, we're joined now by Chiefs offensive tackle Wanye Morris. And Wanye, what a game for you last week. You make your first career start, a left tackle. No big deal. You're facing the Buffalo Bills defensive line and Von Miller, and you were great. I mean, you more than held your own. What was the experience like being out there, and how much fun was it finding success in your first career start? Uh, it was surreal, man. My only thing was just go out there and just ball. Do all you can do because that's all you can do. You know, all you can do is all you can do. And the first time I see Von line up against me, I'm like, oh, my God. I feel like I'm in Madden or something. You know how you in Madden, you see Vaughn, he got his X Factor on. I'm like, okay, just just be patient, calm down, just do what you do. And just being able to go against that talent like that is just a blessing, man. And to say that you guys say I was successful through it, doing it too, man, I feel blessed. I feel blessed. Well, the tape doesn't lie. You were more than <laughs> successful. I mean, you were awesome. 
And it says a lot because before the Packers game, you had played eight offensive snaps this year. You played a lot on special teams, but yeah. just eight offensive snaps. The Packers game, Donovan was trying to fight through it, but eventually he couldn't go, and you had to go into the fire and play. It's a whole different experience, though, being the starter all week and getting ready for the Bills. What was the week like getting ready for your first ever start? Uh, the one thing I try to do is just always prepare the same, you know, never change the preparation because what was different from last week than this week, you know? Always prepare the same. But one thing I did try to do was just hyping on the details a little more than usual, you know? If he say travel low, I'm traveling a little lower. I'm over-exaggerating it. Just so, you know, I get in the game, it happens just right. Um, obviously, I didn't do everything right. I just want to go in and see what I did wrong and just fix those mistakes, obviously. I'm guessing it helped having Trey out there with you. <laughs> definitely. Uh, it definitely boosts the confidence, you know, because seeing I play, with, I play with guys like this. I play with that guy. And we're dang there going against the same competition, just a little bit better. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just out there thinking, okay, these guys got my back. I know, I know if I mess up, they're gonna pick up my head and just say, let's keep going, Wayne. Like, this is welcome to the NFL. Yeah. This is what it is. So you're gonna have to get your mind ready for that. And that's what he did a good job telling me, you know, just keep your head up. You're gonna make mistakes. Just keep going. You know, you got a full game ahead of you. For listeners that don't know, Wanye and Trey played together at Tennessee for two years, I believe, 2019, 2020. It's even funnier because in camp we had a guy by the name of Jerome Carvin here. Yes. You, Jerome, and Trey were three-fifths of the Tennessee offensive line, <laughs> and then you were in camp in the NFL. Yep. Uh, and you and Trey are obviously still both here playing on the same team. Yep. When you first found out you were coming to the Chiefs and you're going to play again with your buddy Trey Smith, what was that experience like? I was like, oh, my goodness, no freaking way. He was actually the first person to call me after I got off the phone with Veach. Yeah. You know? And it's like, he's like, man, I can't believe this is surreal. I'm like, man, tell me about it. We probably called each other like two, three times after that, just saying, like, this is crazy. We're going to be back together again. Like, I don't think people know about Tennessee. Trey was like a big brother to me. He was one of the main reasons I chose to pick Tennessee because, like, he just showed me, like, the brotherhood, the kinship, you know. He showed me the love, the passion. Like, everybody wanted the same goals. You know, everybody wanted to be great. And just him pushing me to be greater, it just helps me that much more, you know. You've played in some cool venues, man. You played at Neyland, then you played at Oklahoma. You were a Sooner for a year, and now you're playing here in Kansas City. Like, these crowds that you've had a chance to play for is pretty incredible, huh? Yeah, uh, Chief Kendall, man. Y'all are amazing, first of all. Uh, y'all get loud on Sundays, and I love the little, the chant. I love the chop. That's my favorite thing. I love when we start the game like that. <laughs> but just being able to play in crowds like that and just be experienced. Because, you know, sometimes people get in the game, the noise really bothers them. So just being able to X that noise out and just, just lock into the little details and the things that you need to do and just exit out the noise, man. I can say I got some pretty good experience at it. Yeah, I think you do. Well, that's part of, I think, being a pro is that everyone's good in the NFL, but the best players are the ones that can kind of block out that noise. Mm -hmm. You were able to do that against the Bills, yeah. and it says a lot when you watch the tape that oftentimes the coaching staff wasn't giving any extra chips to your side. Like They were just doing a five-man protection, and you were holding your own. Yeah. What's that mean to you that the coaching staff believes in you and knows that you can handle your man and your assignment? Uh, it obviously just shows the trust, you know, and things like that. It boosts your confidence as a player. Uh, I took the challenge, and I accepted it, you know. Uh, some people see that as a threat, but I accept the challenge, you know. I like being on my own. I like being on the island anyway. 
uh, it's fun out there because you really get to see who you, what you're made of. You get to compete, man. Because those rushers, rushers get better each and every day. Uh, like those Bills, like the Bills lead on, like you said, those guys were amazing. And just being able to go against that competition by yourself and just see what you're really made of, it gives you that type of confidence. Just keep going. And you have like a nasty demeanor out there. Like you have like an edge to you when you're playing. You're not just blocking your guy. You're like going after him, yeah. whether it be run blocking or pass blocking. Where does that come from? Uh, you know, when I was younger, people used to tell me I was too nice. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, eventually in high school, a coach pulled me to the side. I'm watching the track team run practice. He says, "You know why? Yeah, like this year, like stop being so nice." Go out there and be mean. Be, 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 just be aggressive. I said, okay. I'm like, I'm going try it. And then after that, I just got stuck on it. I just love finishing people. It's just like <laughs> just being able to just finish somebody and throw them into the ground against their will, like that's the most greatest feeling ever, honestly, just finish somebody. Well, this guy has a very bright future. He is not too nice on the football field. We definitely saw that against the Bills. Wanya Morris, uh, excited for you, man. Thanks for joining us, and, and good luck the rest of the season. No problem. All right, great stuff there from Wanye. Just an awesome guy. You can tell he has like a zest for life. Like he can't believe that he's in this moment. This is his opportunity, and he's not going to waste it. And he's not wasting it so far. Uh, again, just really impressed with what he was able to do. Very tough first assignment against the Buffalo Bills and Von Miller, a player he grew up watching, and all of a sudden he's blocking him and blocking him pretty effectively. And he faces another huge task this week if called upon because the defensive front for the New England Patriots is also very good, arguably the strongest part of their team. And by the way, didn't mention, we're rocking the TK. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to give that uh, thanks to Travis Kelsey and the TK line. Uh, and I don't want to go any further without mentioning the NFL record, that another NFL record that Travis Kelsey set in the Buffalo Bills game. With his six catches, that puts him now an 80-catch season for eight straight years. That ties an NFL record, but get the list. Torrey Holt, Marvin Harrison, and Jerry Rice. Hmm. How many tight ends on that list? That would be none. I mean, you look at that level of productivity and you're in the same conversation with those three guys, especially Jerry Rice, then you realize the greatness of Travis Kelsey. Hence, TK Line 87. True Colors. Get your True Colors gear <laughs> while it's still available. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're so fortunate that we are watching Travis Kelsey, the greatest tight end of all time, and not just that one of the greatest pass catchers of all time, and he's on our team, uh, just a little over 100 yards shy of his eighth consecutive 1,000-yard season. Eight consecutive. Think about that. So not just the productivity, but remaining healthy, remaining consistent and available and always ready to make a play, even though everyone knows that you're getting the ball. It's fun to watch fans of other teams when – uh, we're playing them because Kels will make this 20-yard catch downfield, and they're like, how is he always open? Like, why are we not covering him? And they are trying to cover him. He just finds a way. He finds a way, and he's found a way throughout his entire career uh, and not slowing down anytime soon. We had Rashi Rice earlier on a Defending the Kingdom episode as our special guest. He was also my guest on the Chiefs Kingdom radio show. You can find it archived. Uh, if you go to the Chiefs Radio Network site, for those of you who can't hear it over the air uh, around the world. But you're going to want to listen to it because I learned something in that interview with him. Guess who is mentoring Rashi Rice? Hmm. Travis Kelsey. Kelsey has taken him under his wing. Because I asked I ask Rashi, hey, who? And he's like, 
TK. He Kels is is teaching me, he, and he went through all the things he's been teaching him of hand placement and route running, and the so. And I said, "Do you know what this means, brother? Is that Kels sees you as potential greatness? So he's gone big brother on you because much like Trey Smith has done with Wanya Morris, he sees the potential of your greatness, which wow. is why he's investing this much time in mentoring." Rashi Rice. And I thought that was awesome because that's a tight end with a wide receiver. That's really cool. Yeah. It says a lot about Rashi. If you watch Rashi's game, there is an element of Travis Kelsey to him because of his feel for space. That's one of the things that makes Travis so good is his feel for space. So even if the route maybe has him running a certain way, he knows where the space in the zone is or the space in the defensive coverage is to get open for Patrick. And Rashi, at times this year, has shown that ability. He showed it in his first game with the Chiefs, way back against the Lions in week one. His touchdown was a great feel for space. He's done that all year long, and that's exciting. If Travis Kelsey sees that in Rashi as a rookie who already has six receiving touchdowns this year for Kansas City, uh, third most of any rookie in the NFL, his future is bright and certainly helps having a guy like Travis Kelsey teach him the ropes. (laughs) And what was also, I had talked with Coach about this in that same episode, if you can find it. And there's so many routes, we think it's a six route or a four route or a seven route. This day and age, and especially in this offense, and this is where the growth curve for a wide receiver, these are choice routes many times or option routes. And Coach says, well, I'm going to tell you it's more about the top end of the route and the angles that you take and learn to take. This is, and you triggered the thought by you saying what you did about Kels and then the tempo and the way that you run that route. And he said, that's what, that's what Rashi is trying to learn right now, and that's what Kelsey is teaching him. And we've seen the fruits of that some. I remember the catch against the Raiders felt like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now it's just a matter of Rashi just like bango every week uh, and becomes a constant threat. So that leads us – we're going to close out this way, but uh, talking about – both ends of the spectrum here. That's what this edition of Defending the Kingdom is about, about two incredible coaches who have done historic things, an offensive tackle getting the start in his career, but it leads us to the middle of that timeline, which is this game against the New England Patriots. Again, the AFC has become a week-to-week episode in the greatest reality show there is in the world, the National Football League, and especially the AFC. Something happens unexpectedly. But here are the Chiefs now taking on a New England team that showed a flash in getting 21 points uh, to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. That got your attention. But let's just talk about New England a bit, and let's talk about their defense. Because the defensive numbers here, Matt, do not equal a 3-10 and record. No, they definitely don't. This is a, a defense that's playing hard for Coach Belichick and playing hard for the logo on their helmet, and I respect that. This defense for the Patriots has held the opposition under 21 points in five straight games, just keeping their team in the game. Now, they're, they're middle of the pack in a lot of defensive categories, things like turnovers and sacks and points allowed. But here's what they do. They don't allow big plays, and they kind of force you to nickel and dime down the field. They keep everything in front of them, and they're banking on you making a mistake at some point. Uh, you look at these guys – they have the sixth best red zone defense in the NFL, allowing touchdowns at only a 46% rate. They've allowed 27 10 play drives this year. That's eighth most in the NFL, but opponents are scoring touchdowns on only 30% of those drives. So the opponent marching down the field, using a lot of clock, 
have to settle for a field goal. And all of a sudden, that creates opportunities for the Patriots offense. So we can talk about their run defense as well, which is outstanding. Uh, but these guys, they keep the Patriots in games for the most part. And their offense, it's true, it has struggled this year. They got a spark last week with Bailey Zappi. But their defense keeps them in games. Look at the Chargers game a couple weeks ago. They had an opportunity to win that game numerous times. They couldn't score, but the defense kept them in it. This defense for New England is no joke. Yeah, you and I were taking the um, the puntometer for that uh, Charger-Patriot game, but that meant that the Patriots' defense was playing at a high level. Here's a couple more for you. The Patriots are the best team in the NFL. Keep in mind, they're 3-10. and 10. The best team in the NFL at disallowing four-plus runs overall, only 34.6% of the time. And 4.0 is your litmus test on a run in the NFL. Anything less is a win for the defense. Anything more is a win for the offense. New England is not allowing teams to run the ball, to your point. The other thing, and not allowing big plays, New England is top six in the league in 10-plus plays allowed. That's usually not the case with a 3-10 and 10 team. They're good front to back. They're scrappy. They've got some big-time players on this defense, and you're right. They make it hard to score on you. They wait for you to make the mistake. They make you eat up time. Holds you to a field goal. Wait a minute. The Gosh, that sounds like Green Bay. That sounds like, hmm, Denver. And in a way, it sounds like the Philadelphia Eagles. These guys can follow that recipe very much like those other teams that were able to beat the Chiefs earlier this year. They also like to blitz. They have yeah. a higher blitz rate than the Chiefs do, and that's saying something. Uh, these guys have the fifth highest blitz rate in the NFL at 34.7% just ahead of the Chiefs. And if you're Kansas City, you got to take advantage of that. You got to make sure that if New England sends extra rushers, you're able to hit that big play over the top. And for the Chiefs in this game, you're coming off a bummer of a game last week. We all know that, right? It was right there for the Chiefs. They didn't get it done. You got to move on. You got to flush it and learn from what just happened and make sure two doesn't turn into three. And how do you do that? You get off to a fast start offensively against the Patriots. Three weeks in a row, the Chiefs have been down by two touchdowns to begin the game. And to their credit, you can make an argument they could have won all three games. They didn't. They're one and two in those games. But playing from behind is not a good strategy. Get off to a fast offensive start here in this game against the Patriots. Make sure that defense isn't feeling really good going into the second half. That's the recipe for success, and that's obvious here in this game. But I think that's really the goal for the Chiefs early on, their first couple of drives. Get in the end zone. Make sure the Patriots are not feeling confident, feeling good about this game, feeling like we're going to play this game in the mud. Because that's what the Patriots want to do. They want this game in the mud. They want it to be 13-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. That's what they want. For the Chiefs, offensively, they know what they can do. Don't turn the ball over. Don't let penalties hinder your drives or set you back. Get off to a fast start. And let's get back on track against the Patriots. That's the key. And it's what Denver wanted to do and did in Denver. It's what Green Bay wanted to do and did in Green Bay. The Chiefs are trying to avoid that and get a victory, a ninth victory, against the New England Patriots. Offensively, this is a New England team that has struggled, although Bailey Zappi has given them a little bit of hope, especially because these guys are woefully weak. You look at 20 passes at 21-plus air yards. They have four completions of 21-plus air yards in 13 games. That's miserable. But what did they do to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? The same thing that the Buffalo Bills did to get the 14 to nothing lead on the Chiefs, and that is throw to James Cook for big plays. Look in this game, in their win over Pittsburgh, what Zappi did to old friend Zeke Elliott, 
the old Dallas Cowboy. He had 140 yards from scrimmage. It's probably one of his best games in quite a while, and that included seven receptions for over 70 yards. He was great uh, for the Patriots last week. And you're right. you got to make things simple for Bailey Zappi. That's not any slight toward him. He's a young quarterback. You want to simplify things for him. He has two starts now for New England. And let's compare these two starts. Mm. His first start uh, a couple weeks ago, he completed just 52% of his passes, averaged 5.64 yards per attempt, had a passer rating of 68.9. They lose 6-0, to zero, right? Don't score any points. Well, last week against Pittsburgh, it's like night and day with this guy. I mean, he completed 68% of his passes, averaged 8.57 yards per attempt, had a passer rating of 115. So he was great. He made some great throws in that game, if we're being completely honest. Hunter Henry was good in that game. And that's another thing. If you look at some of these tight games for the Chiefs lately, it's tight ends finding success against them uh, defensively. Hunter Henry is one of the better tight ends in the game, right? You can't let Hunter Henry uh, get loose, particularly in the red zone. He has five touchdown catches this year. And for a young quarterback, a good tight end in the red zone is their best friend. Again, if you look at the numbers, Bailey Zappi under pressure this year struggles. And even last week he struggled. But when he's given a clean pocket, I mean, he's an NFL quarterback and he can find success. I mean, he's here for a reason. And when he had a clean pocket last week against Pittsburgh, he was excellent. So for the Chiefs in this game, you got to pressure Bailey Zappi. Got to give him off of his spot. And don't let them stay ahead of the chains consistently. Don't let Zeke Elliott get four or five yards on a quick pass on first down. Force Bailey Zappi into third and ten. Third and 15, then get the pass rush after him. That's how you get this Patriots offense off kilter. So the Chiefs defense can do it. This remains the number three scoring defense in the NFL. They were excellent last week, even though they allowed the two touchdowns early on. From 14-0 Bills the rest of the way, the Chiefs outscored Buffalo 17-6. Held Buffalo out of the end zone the entire second half. So... It's a slow start conversation we were having earlier about the Chiefs offense, but the Chiefs defense as well. They've been so good. Just don't let the Patriots offense get off to a good start like we've seen with some of these offenses in recent weeks. you got to make sure you slam the door early uh, and force Bailey Zappi into a couple mistakes. And slam the door on running back in the passing game. Yes. And then mitigate Hunter Henry as best as you can in this game. Two old friends in this game. We'll close it out this way. Two old friends that both led to the Super Bowl championships in recent years for the Chiefs. One, of course, is Juju Smith-Schuster. He's the most obvious. I uh, wonder if he's going to wear his Super Bowl ring to the game. <laughs> Probably <Now> the not. <laughs> old number seven. Uh, he's wearing number seven uh, for the New England Patriots, but still warm and fuzzy. If I get to see him, there'll be a hug. Yeah. I mean, He was great for us. Absolutely. I mean, Jude, that's the thing with the championship team. They are always part of the team, and they are always part of the family. Like, I really believe that. And for Juju... We'll see Juju 10 years from now when we're celebrating uh, the Super Bowl 57 championship, right? He's a Patriot now. He's on the other side on Sunday. And he actually had a nice game for them last week. I mean, he had uh, four catches for 90 yards. We know what Juju can do when he's healthy. He's the enemy on Sunday, but I'm with you. I mean, Juju is one of the main reasons this team won a Super Bowl last year. So I root for Juju every other week of the season just not this week and two of those four catches against pittsburgh i go oh we've seen that before it looked just uh-huh. like the ones he had <laughs> with us the other not so obvious guy on this team that led to the super bowl 54 championship is mike Isecki, the old tight end of the miami dolphins remember he had the magical catch from fitz magic back in the 2019 playoffs that allowed the chiefs 
to get home field as the Dolphins got the victory. So, Mike, I don't know you, but if I see you, man, I'll give you a fist pump because remember that game. <laughs> and thank you, Mike, for what he did for us in Super Bowl 54 on that run. That was something else, wasn't it? Yeah. Just the games going on at the same time. And, and we had to win, but here's the thing. And we saw this with the Titans beating the Dolphins the other night. You can go on the ESPN playoff machine and kind of plot everything out, and you're like, well, this is what's going to happen. It's never what happens. You never know what's going to happen in the NFL. That's why the NFL is the greatest sports league on earth, because any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday or Saturday, something crazy can happen, and you just don't know. And that kind of leads into my final thoughts about this game and the rest of the season. Again, I mean, a bummer on Sunday night, right? The Chiefs nearly beat the Buffalo Bills and, and thought they had beat them for a moment. But everything is still right there for the Chiefs. It's all still right there. They control their own destiny in the AFC West. And there's even a chance the one seed is still in play based on how you're looking at schedules. Everything's right there for Kansas City. The most important thing is they take care of their own business and see what happens. That's the beauty of it. And that Mike Gusecki uh, example is a great example of that. See what happens once we get there. But it's a one-game playoff, in my mind, the rest of the way, and that begins against New England. There you have it. Timeline. Really interesting game this week because you are seeing on a timeline two of the greatest coaches ever that are going against each other once again, a player just getting his career started and a whole bunch in between. But keep in mind, this is a game that reminds us of both ends of the spectrum.